You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode 131. Hello, hello, my friends. I am so glad to have you tuning in for another episode of the podcast. Today, I am sitting down with a very awesome guest who is going to be teaching us an extremely important topic. Kaylee Billerbeck is the CEO and founder of Everyday Armor. She lives in Newport Beach, California, but travels the U.S. about eight to nine months of the year teaching safety and self-defense to young women. Kaylee is a second-degree level three black belt in Taekwondo. She trained from elementary school until the age of 18 and got certified to instruct at 16. Kaylee used her personal experiences in college psychology degree and martial arts background to create a comprehensive self-defense and safety program for everyday women with little to no experience. Her program is realistic and relatable and focuses heavily on the mental and emotional portion of safety in self-defense. In our conversation, she teaches everyday safety tips and tricks, building confidence and self-esteem so you can go out and do the things you want in life without having to feel nervous, anxious, or on edge. Kaylee's mission is to open opportunities for women by empowering them to feel safe in situations, whether alone or with others. Her story is super powerful and the tips that she has to share might literally save your life. So don't go anywhere because this episode is one that you have to hear. Let's jump in. Hey, you're listening to the Branded Cowgirl podcast hosted by yours truly. My name is Sarah Elrod and I'm a serial entrepreneur through and through, but most importantly, I'm a wifey, a mama, and pretty much a crazy horse lady. I started this podcast based on an old saying my husband once told me, that every successful rancher has a wife that works in town. And being the stubborn, wannabe homesteading housewife that I am, I decided that why do I have to work in town in order to contribute? So I made it my mission to teach other rural women and entrepreneurs how to grow thriving brands online from way out yonder. Whether you live out in the middle of nowhere, have to take a dirt road to get there, or if you're just a mama who wants to stay home raising babies and cows someday, this is the place for you. On this show, we talk about marketing, social media, branding, content creation, Western lifestyle, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. So grab a coffee and your favorite notebook and let's saddle up and get to work. This is the Branded Cowgirl Podcast. Kaylee, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and to share just about what you do. I think it's really intriguing and I've actually done an episode like way back when I first started this podcast where I kind of just shared my own personal opinion about safety. Um, I Mm -hmm. grew up in a law enforcement family and my dad was a cop. And so we always got grilled for like how to be smart when you're out and about and, and be safe in certain situations. And especially me being his only daughter and I'm a smaller person and he just always like drilled a lot of different things into me. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear like your expertise and, and what you have to teach. Um, so do you want to go ahead and just start off by sharing a little bit of your story and kind of let people know like your background, kind of how you got to be where you are? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I think it's amazing. It's, it's always interesting because I feel like a lot of the people that you know, have me on their podcast, a lot of times they do have exposure to it. And they have a family member that was like in the military or in law enforcement. And it just it makes me sad that there aren't other women that are exposed to this stuff growing up, because it truly does. I mean, I'm sure you can attest it. It makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. But um, a little bit about me, my parents actually, so they threw me into martial arts, when I was in like third grade. And I was so against it. I thought it was really uncool. And I was embarrassed by the outfits you had to wear. 
and um, my they actually we signed a contract where I had to kind of keep training until I got my black belt. So I you know, didn't have the money in third grade to break the contract. So I kept training, and you know I ended up really falling in love with it and found that with martial arts you were competing against yourself. I mean yes and other people, but it was just such a there were so many different things that you got from that kind of training, and a lot of it was confidence, whether physically situationally even just mentally and emotionally and I started instructing at 15 I got certified at I believe 16 and I ended my training before I went off to college so I stopped training at 18 as a second degree level three black belt in taekwondo and then we also had exposure to Muay Thai and kickboxing and a little bit of Brazilian too so you know it was just it was a really cool thing that I got to learn, you know, doing this stuff and teaching people it. And, and I think it, it helped me and helped me and hindered me in college where, you know, number one, I did feel like I had a lot of that confidence, but sometimes I also felt invincible, which sometimes came to, you know, again, hinder me a little bit. So when I was, um, end of my junior year, I actually went to be a nanny in Cabo and had just kind of a crazy situation that happened that, you know, typically sharing like the classes we teach to show that you can have all the physical training in the world, but there's more at play when it comes to safety, you know? So with our program, we were like, okay, how do, how can we take my mistakes and look at what I missed and teach women a very holistic approach to self-defense and safety? So, you know, we have mental, situational, and physical self-defense that we teach to young women. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is also just kind of you know, addressing different myths that tend to kind of circulate, especially on social media in regards to safety, especially with things like human trafficking. So that's kind of a little bit about, you know, how I got to to where I am and starting Everyday Armor. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it's funny that you brought up that story of you in Mexico because I was like actually just going through your Instagram and was like watching your videos and I I listened mm-hmm. to the story but I'd love for you to share a little bit about that story for anybody that hasn't heard it um just like what happened when you were in Mexico and kind of how that mm-hmm. maybe transpired into what you do now and and kind of how that sparked you know because I feel like that was one of my questions for you too was if you've ever had a specific scenario that kind of led you to wanting to teach this stuff because I feel like that's where a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get their interest in whatever it is that they're doing is usually there's some sort of personal experience or personal problem that they want to fix for themselves. And so, um, it kind of transpires from there. And so, um, I'm assuming for you, that's kind of that Mexico story and I'm sure there's other instances too, but do you want to kind of just dive into that a little bit more on what happened? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and it's hard because in a class, there's only so much that you can like explain about the story, but there's, there's so much that happened before and after that I think really did just show me that, okay, this is like what you're meant to do. This is something that, like you said, you know, you have that personal connection to something. And I feel like that is really where, you know, we get inspired to do things and do it effectively. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I, just my junior year, I was drinking a lot in college. I was I mean, every day of the week, you know, and I was just a wreck and trying to juggle school and stuff. And, and I was realizing, okay, you know, this friend group that I'm in, it just may not be the right people for me. It wasn't bringing out the best in me. And it was kind of difficult to think about that in regards to going into summer because, you know, I was going to stay around my university and that's probably who I would be looking to hang out with. So I just kind of needed to gain some perspective and 
the first thing that kind of came my way was the opportunity to go be a nanny in Cabo. Mm-hmm. Now, a girl in my sorority had done it, so I was just kind of like, okay, cool. You know, I, I trust that, and I'm not really thinking too much of it. So I bought a ticket, and I show up, and, you know, my host family was great, but I think one thing I didn't really anticipate was how hard the language barrier was going to be. And, you know, they were speaking predominantly Spanish and German. And I know Spanish, but not German. So, you know, I found myself very confused and I was exhausted working with kids all day. So a lot of times on the weekend when I'm looking to have, you know, fluent English conversation and connection with people, I found myself out at the bars a lot. Now, I would go out with this friend that I had met, and she was also an au pair there for like six months. So we would go out together. Now, the last weekend that we went out was my last weekend in Mexico. And we were like, okay, let's like, let's go out. Let's have fun. We'll blow off some steam. And she ended up leaving. And I was with two guys and a girl that, you know, we kind of just like met and hung out with throughout the night. And they were all actually from California, close to where I live. So in hanging out with them, end of the night rolls around and I was like, okay, I'm going to pretend that, you know, I'm dating one of the guys and try to get a wristband into the resort they're staying at. And this had worked before. So like, I wasn't too worried about it, but um, I wasn't able to get into the resort. So one of the guys and I decided to go to the beach and we ended up, you know, we've been drinking. It's like two o'clock in the morning. We sit down. Next thing we know, we're both asleep on the beach in the middle of the night. And I had a bag that I was wearing, like a crossbody bag. Mm-hmm. And in it was like, you know, my phone, money, passport, everything. And I woke up and saw that, you know, when I went to grab for my phone, that there was just a strap laying there. So somebody came up and like cut the straps of the bag and then walked away with the bag and everything in it. And ironically, my mom actually woke up in the middle of the night and like screenshotted the last location where my stuff was because she watched this person like walk off the beach through the marina and then to the location. So it was just, and it was, you know, a crazy experience having to get back and figure all of that out, not having a passport ID or anything like that. And, and again, you know, if you look at that story, there's, there's no point where I could have really used like physical moves to get out of it or to prevent it. There was just a lot of, you know, mental and emotional stuff that I, really kind of needed to lean into and having confidence. And, you know, after that happened, I was like, I'm not drinking for like 99 days and I'm just going to like take a cleanse. And, and when I did that, you know, I came back to school and found that a lot of my friends felt like that was kind of weird or whatever. And, and I was kind of, I felt alone. I felt kind of ganged up on in that friend group. And, and again, it's just, you know, kind of coming back to that mental self-defense side of things that I think just to me, I realized was so crucial to safety in everyday life and even in some of those more scary situations as well. I can't imagine. Oh my gosh, so many things. I can't imagine how your mom must have felt and how like scared she must have been in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like especially not being able to get a hold of you. That must have been horrible. And then the just the thought you had when you woke up and realized all your stuff was gone. I mean, was it just like panic? Were you like, I'm so dead? Like what what was kind of your knee-jerk reaction? Yeah. So good question. So when I woke up, I you know, my first thought was, okay, wait, did my bag like fall off of the strap? So I'm walking across the beach with this guy and we're like, we're looking for it. We walked through the marina everywhere where we had walked and we're like, okay, wait, hold on. So I go back and I look at the strap and you can see where it had been cut. And I was like, I think somebody like stole my stuff. 
so at this point I'm like I remember I will never forget like walking through the marina and he was like don't don't be upset like it's fine it's gonna be okay and I was like okay you're not the one that has to try to get home without a passport like yeah what are you talking about and and then um, he ended up taxiing me back to my host family's house and I went back to sleep it was, still, it was about like 5 30 in the morning so I went back to sleep and I'm hungover and I woke up and was like okay I have to start by telling my family what happened first so I tell them and I mean this was like the culmination of a lot of other stuff that had just gone wrong. I was a mess for like a se- several months. And my mom was like, you're joking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, unfortunately, I'm not. And um, and she was like, well, this you're it's on you. Like you figure this out. This is ridiculous. And I mean, she came back later on, but at first she was not for it. Yeah. And then um, she, you know, a little bit later, I was like, okay, now I have to tell my host family. Then I had to tell them. And I was just so, so, so embarrassed about the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. That is so much to go through, especially like being that young too. I feel like that's just a lot. <laughs> I mean, you probably learned a lot from that experience mm-hmm. and grew a lot in that. And I mean, I've definitely have done some stupid things like that. <laughs> and um, so I can definitely empathize and relate with you for that. So yeah. From college, like once you finished college, what did kind of those next, I mean, what did that next part of your life look like? How, what kind of happened that led you to decide to start Everyday Armor and and doing what you do now? Good question. So, you know, I think for me, you know, especially when I got back and I, you know, I stopped drinking and, and I did go through a phase where all my friends were like, oh, this is kind of weird. And I felt really left out of the group and ganged up on and And then I kind of had to almost start over and I had actually reached out like through this process and not drinking and stuff. I had reached out to somebody whose podcast I'd been listening to and uh, her name's Shalene Johnson. And she, you know, she was so cool. And I ended up actually going on her podcast to interview her and just get like some, some mindset tips. And, and I ended up getting a job with her just so like, you know, kind of like a little side job for the rest of my um, senior year. And then after that, I had asked like, hey, do you guys have a full-time position? And they ended up making one for me. So I worked for her for a while and learned so much about starting a business and especially an online business. So for me, you know, again, I was I was so passionate about that mental and situational aspect to safety. So I just kind of started posting stuff online. And then after that, it kind of, you know, it, that kind of tapered off a little bit. And then I got a new job and then COVID happened. And I was like, you know, I really want to work with people like in person. And I was just, you know, a little like, I don't know, I just needed something else in my life, a little purpose. So started training people one-on-one and it, and I worked part-time for this guy that I'd actually interned for back in college. And he was a motivational speaker. And obviously it was, it was kind of hard for him to get gigs through COVID and everything. So he was like, you know, I might have to like put a pause on our work together until we come out of COVID a little bit more especially because he was immunocompromised. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I have these private clients and that's fun and all, but it's not making enough, you know, for me to go full-time with it. So I started reaching out to sororities and schools. And from there, I just kind of like stumbled into what I do. Oh, that's so cool. So I know you talk a lot about the like mental and emotional part of 
like safety and self-defense. And I would love to hear more about how that kind of goes together, because I think most people, when they think of being safe and, and having self-defense skills and things like that, everybody kind of naturally goes to the physical elements of things. And so can you maybe talk a little bit about why it's important to have those, that like mental and emotional um, aspect included in all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, with mental self-defense, we really look at situations where you tend to know your perpetrator. So, I mean, this could be anything from somebody that just lives in your apartment building that's kind of a, you know, I wouldn't even say totally an acquaintance, but you still kind of know them all mm -hmm. the way to, you know, an intimate partner or family members. So we address trafficking, stalking, domestic abuse, and sexual assault, you know, all those situations where we do tend to know the, the perpetrator. So with that you know a lot of a lot of things kind of do come down to trying to build confidence and self-esteem and and knowing what you deserve and being able to confront things or handle conflict and try to de-escalate a situation so i think that you know and and just having that confidence i mean that translates when you have the inner confidence it translates into you know if you're walking down the street by yourself instead of looking, you know, afraid, even if you feel it, a lot of times we present ourselves more confidently. And I mean, there's even studies to show that that a lot of times can deter a perpetrator because you don't look as much like a soft target. So, mm -hmm. you know, and then even the physical stuff, we work with a lot of women who have little to no experience with that physical training and, you know, probably aren't going to go seek out consistent training. So we're kind of that gap between having little to no experience and somebody who is going to be willing to train a lot. And Again, a lot of it, if you can just have the confidence to do something and fight like hell to not go to a secondary location with your perpetrator, then, you know, a lot of times that can increase it, your chances of survival in that situation. So it really does. It stems at that mental and it does translate to all those other, other types of self-defense. Yeah, that's so good. And I think you're so right in just the, like, the idea of looking confident and looking like you're not you know, you know, you have a mission, you have a plan, you're not, you wouldn't be intimidated. I think that goes a long way. Um, cause I could totally see that being a deterrent. I think if you look vulnerable and lost and confused, like that does kind of open you up, um, to, a, to potentially a bad situation. Um, so I think that's some really good advice. What would you say is some of your best tips for like women? Because um, I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are women and most of them being like business owners. And for people like me who I, you know, have been a photographer for a long time and that includes going out into random places that I haven't been before sometimes and meeting up with strangers. I mean, it's kind of like funny to think about the situations that I've put myself in and probably been naive about a lot of times like, oh, it's fine. They're clients, whatever. But if you really think about it, it's like, wow, I met these people, these complete strangers on the side of the road and <laughs> I have no idea who they yeah. are. Um, so for people that maybe are in like service-based industries, like, do you have any, or just in general, like just going through life, like what would be kind of your main tips that you would give somebody for staying safe? Yeah, good question. So, you know, I think first and foremost with what we do, there's so many tips out there, like, you know, not walking by yourself at night or don't travel solo, all those kinds of things where, you know, to your point, we want people to be able to live life. Like you should be able to go work with clients, you know, and still have resources to feel safe. So that's kind of, you know, I, I love where, where you're headed with the question because it's, you know, hey, we're still going to live life. Like we're business owners. We want to do things and we want to be independent, but how do we still feel safe doing so? Mm -hmm. So 
to that point with situational self-defense, you know, a lot of it, we break it up into five different things. So confidence, alertness and awareness, resourcefulness, visibility, and environment. So some of the most important things, again, you know, as, as simple as it sounds, presenting yourself with confidence. And, you know, if I'm showing up, let's say, to a school to go teach a, a class. A lot of my travels by myself. So I'm making sure that, okay, how am I getting from point A to point B, looking at my map? So when I get out of that car, kind of like you had mentioned, you know, you're walking with a purpose and always just being aware of when does something feel off? Like when is there a broken social norm that I'm picking up on? How would I respond to it? You know, what's my worst case scenario? If, you know, one example I hear a lot, like if I'm getting gas for myself, like how do I do that and still feel safe? And I always say, you know, think about your, what is your worst situation? You know, if you're going to a shoot, what is your worst case scenario? Get dramatic with it and then problem solve. Like, how would I respond if that were to happen? What little tips and tricks do I need to have? And, and then start implementing those and just how you move every day. So it becomes habitual. So, you know, if we're getting gas by yourself, one thing we talk about is making sure that you've locked all doors that you're not using. So that way you just don't have those extra points of vulnerability and then thinking through, okay, is my car too tall for me to see over? Maybe I want to sit inside of it so I can still survey what's happening around my car. If it's smaller, I can still see around it. Maybe I stand outside, you know, and always never just tuning out of your environment because you feel safe, but always just having that layer of alertness mm -hmm. and, you know, in thinking about your worst case scenario, you know, in the gas station example, if let's say somebody comes up to you, you're getting gas, you know, we always teach people there's actually a release on the hose that detaches it from like the, the main pump. So it shuts off the gas and allows you to drive away with that pump in your car. And just by knowing those little tips and tricks, it helps you feel more safe. Okay, my worst case scenario comes, someone comes up to me and I have to get away. I'm still pumping my gas. I know I can drive away with the pump in my car safely. So, you know, again, think about your worst case scenario, work your way back. That's really good advice because I had no idea that that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, stuff like that is really good to know. Um, I think if you are in situations like that, because as women, yeah, I think we are oftentimes, we tend to feel more, you know, like at risk and, and we are in a lot of ways at more at risk in situations like that. And I think most people today tend to have like this it's like weird to just stand there and and be looking around in your environment. That's why everybody resorts to like looking at their phone. And it's just kind of that natural habit. I just think like when you're at a party or you're in some sort of social setting where you feel uncomfortable, like what does everybody do? They like immediately just start scrolling mindlessly on their phone or we feel like uncomfortable in the weirdest situations, just like walking from point A to point B. And it's almost <laughs> feels weird to not be looking at your phone while you're walking. You just want to feel like you're doing something, I think, and looking busy. And so I think practicing that is just a good habit to get into of like, okay, if you're walking, especially in a place that you're not familiar with, like, don't be just like looking at your phone to like, try to look busy, you know, like, like you said, yeah. walk with purpose, um, I think is really, really good advice. Um, do you recommend that people or like women carry anything with them? I mean, pepper spray, tasers, CCW carriers, like, you know, conceal weapon, like, do you recommend that that people get things like that? Or, or what's kind of your thought on all of that? Yeah, so I mean, yes, but there's a caveat, you know, if you don't have experience with it, or you don't know everything there is to know about what you're carrying, I never recommend carrying something. And 
what we kind of always advise, I know um, some women like to carry b- batons. I do know that in California, it's illegal. There's some other states like Washington where you can only have it like at your house. You can't actually carry it outside of your home. But you know, if that is something that's legal, something like that, a metal water bottle, something where if somebody were to come up to you, it puts distance between you and your perpetrator. You don't have to know how to like swing an object. Most of us just kind of innately know how to do that. And, you know, knowing where to strike. So if I'm swinging that water bottle and I want to make somebody pass out, I'm probably going to go for the temple, the side of the head, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you've had training, then yes, by all means, you know, carry whatever items you feel are are suitable to you and that are legal (laughs) where you live. But I know so many women that carry pepper spray. And first of all, pepper spray doesn't shoot nearly as far. A lot of times it's going to taper off a lot quicker than pepper gel. And, you know, in addition to that, it also expires. And some people don't know that. So maybe they were given pepper spray when they were 17, but now they're, you know, 26 and that pepper spray is definitely probably expired, you know? So just knowing those things and, and it's one of those things that tends to get misused a lot because people don't have experience with it. And if you think about it, you're aiming at a very small surface area on a perpetrator who's probably going to be taller than you. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have experience, shooting at that area. You know, I mean, if you hit their throat, it's really not going to be super effective for you. So just think about those things. You know, when you're in fight or flight, like your perpetrator would probably be, their pain tolerance is probably going to go down. So they can handle a lot more more pain. So just thinking about all of those things, making sure you have experience with those weapons, because it just when you're in fight or flight like that, your body just does things that you're not even familiar with. You have to make sure you know how to actually execute using a tool. Mm. That's so good. And and that makes a lot of sense. And I definitely was in that position of the pepper spray expiring because I for sure really? got pepper spray when I was like 17 or 18. I don't know. My mom got it for <laughs> me and I like carried it with me for a really long time. And then, yeah, literally probably was in my 20s, early 20s and was like, oh, yeah, this definitely expired. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny. I actually so we were teaching a class um, at Florida State University and this girl raised her hand and she was like, wait, I have a personal story about the pepper spray stuff. And I was like, yeah, what's up? And she was like, my dad made me pull it out and practice actually using it when I first got it. And she was like, and I had that like one in a million pepper spray that when I went to use it, it's a little bit of it had sprayed back at her. And she was like, can you imagine if I went to use that in a real situation and I'm like blinding myself, you know? (laughs) And not that that's like a common thing, but it is important. You have to know what does it feel like to spray it? It's yours that one in a million one that's going to spray back at you, you know? And if you live somewhere that has crazy climate, like if it's windy or if it's raining a lot, especially with pepper spray, it's probably going to dilute that. It could blow it away from your perpetrator somewhere, you know, else on their body, not their eyes, or it could blow back at you. So, you know, it is, it's just, there's so many little things to think about with that stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That that would be so awful. (laughs) I mean, it's funny to think about, but it's also like in a real situation, that would be terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's crazy. So in your experience since starting your business and deciding to go into this realm, because um, from what I can tell, you're not like a huge person. Um, yeah. And <laughs> have you received like, I don't know, like haters, critics, like thinking like, okay, who are you to sit here and teach us how to defend ourselves when, you know, cause I, I think like, and, and even me on kind of like a slightly different note, like I'm a small person and there's the part of me that just throughout my life, like people have taught me several like little self-defense things here and there, but I'm just like, 
how would I actually like push comes to shove, like someone like me, who's like five foot three, a hundred pounds, whatever. And then you have this, you know, 45 year old man who's gigantic compared to you. I mean, it's just, it's hard to know like how you would be able to, cause you know, they, they give you all the things like, oh, bend their finger back and do all these things. But when push yeah. comes to shove, I'm like, am I actually going to be able to overpower somebody like that? Like, so I'm yeah. just curious if you've received, um, I guess like people thinking that it wouldn't work or, or critics for, for just, I guess your background and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in, unfortunately, anything you do these days, you're opening yourself up to hate, especially on social media. And, you know, the more, the more traction you get, the more people you're exposed to, the more you're going to find those people. And I've definitely experienced that. And I would be lying if I said that I'm always immune to it because there are, I mean, actually, you know, it was about like a month ago now, I had this woman that decided to like start commenting all over my stuff and it tried to like call me and texted me and was just like, like coming at me with stuff. And it was just like, what the heck? And I actually reached out to somebody that I trained with. And I was like, I am just like getting all this hate. And I just like need to be like gassed up a little bit. I need you to like help me kind of sort through, you know, some of the stuff that I'm getting. And, and it was, and it was really helpful to kind of hear what he had to say. Cause he was like, you know, I think a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome and it's like, you can have all the training, all the certifications, all the personal experience in the world, yet you still sometimes step into a space where to your point, like, I know, I, you know, I show up to classes and heels. Like, I know I don't look like an average self-defense instructor, but you know, it's, you're, I'm, I'm perfect for the demographic that I'm working with. And yeah. that's what, you know, he said, like, you have to, you present what your training is. And if people decide that you're for them, great. If they decide you're not for them, that's just the way the world works. And, yeah. you know, in our classes, we even talk about this. We do a drill with, um, with confrontation and I'll have everybody close their eyes, put their heads down. I'm like, okay, raise your hand if you've ever met somebody and maybe had, you know, a couple of conversations with them. And you're like, you know what? I just, I don't, I don't really like that person. There's not really, you maybe don't know them deeply, but you just don't like them. Every single hand goes up. Doesn't matter if it's five people, 500 people. We all meet people that just aren't for us. And I think that it's a very uncomfortable truth, but that is the way the world works. And yeah, I, but yeah, I mean, I, everybody gets it and it just, it's, shitty that we have to deal with it, but it's, it's the way, the way we are. <laughs> yeah, no. And I love what you said about like, you are your demographic because I, that's kind of what I was sitting here thinking about too, is if I were to go into a self-defense class and there was this gigantic, like buff dude, you know, six foot four who was teaching me how to defend myself, like I, I guess there would be a disconnect of like, okay, well, it's easy for you to say because you could break someone in half, but like yeah. I could not do that. And so I think to have somebody like you walk in front of the class and, you know, we look more alike. We, you are somebody who I'd say, okay, like if she could do it, I can do it. And, and I love that you walk in and heels and all the things. Cause I think that's just, you're almost breaking that mold of what people think a safety self-defense instructor should look like. And so I think that's really cool and you are reaching like a very specific group of of women and people and I think that's really um really smart on your behalf but also just it it makes it it makes it really awesome because I think it, it helps people that are interested in learning what you do not feel so like they couldn't do it and they can't learn how to do things so um yeah well, and you know I think it's yeah thank you and I, and I think that so often we think that we have to be the best at something in order to step into this space when in some in reality sometimes 
you need somebody who has a different perspective in order to make a splash in entrepreneurship, in business. And I remember there was actually, um, when I worked for Shaleen, there was this guy, um, I want to say his name is Naveen, and he like created, um, it was, it's kind of like a, like not to be gross, but like a, like a poop test, you know, to like, to like assess your, your gut biome and stuff. And, and he had talked about that, like, that wasn't really his area of total expertise, but he had a different perspective that could shake up that, that realm. And, you know, same thing, you know, I, I know that I'm very, I, I acknowledge my physical limitations when it comes to safety and self-defense and, mm-hmm. and I don't train anymore, but you know, most people have no experience and are never going to go sign up for consistent classes. And, you know, as much as we encourage it and we point people in the right direction to go do that, it's a lot of people aren't going to do it. So, you know, that's why we kind of walk back like, okay, if, you know, I'm five, four, you know, if you, if you are smaller, here's some very basic self-defense things that you can learn, some basic escapes, some places to strike an attacker. But more importantly, here's the situational stuff. When you are in an environment, what are you looking for? What's a red flag? How do you respond? How do you present yourself? And mm-hmm. most importantly, when in those relationships you're in, how do you assess if there's red flags in friendships, you know, intimate relationships or acquaintances? How can you tell if something is wrong? How do you listen to your gut? How do you confront things so mm-hmm. that hopefully things never have to escalate? So yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I love that you speak to that because I think, like you said, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. And even people that aren't entrepreneurs that are in business, you know, you step into the corporate world and it's like, oh my gosh, do I, do I have the right to be here? Yeah. Oh, it's so huge. And I I think that is just a good reminder for anybody in any industry, just like you don't have to fit the stereotype. And in a lot of ways, breaking out of the stereotype is just what somebody else is waiting for. They want somebody else to do it so that they can, you know, have permission to do their next thing. And so I love that you're, you're paving that way for a lot of people. So um, that's really, really cool. Thank you. So for anybody that wants to learn more from you and wants to get tips and, and kind of expand their education into safety and self-defense and all those things, where can people find you online and and work with you and learn from you and all the things? Yeah. So you can find us on TikTok. It's just everyday armor, armors, A-R-M-O-R on Instagram or everyday armor official. Um, And I mean, we post videos every day, just like free stuff. If there's things that people want to learn more about we have a lot of people that will like dm us comment and then we'll we'll create you know specialized videos so just want to make the information more accessible to to everyday women that maybe aren't going and you know again taking those classes that's so awesome well thank you so much kaylee i really appreciate you coming on and sharing all that you have to share and i think you're doing a really awesome thing so thank you thank you and thank you so much for having me on i appreciate it and it's nice to have people you know, that are also passionate about safety and self-defense for women. You've just finished another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. And if that doesn't make you happier than a rooster on Sunday, then I don't know what will. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Branded Cowgirl podcast and TikTok. Also join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can find it by searching Branded Cowgirl podcast insiders or head to the link in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. It means the absolute world to me to read your kind words, but it also helps other amazing rural women find the show as well. If you would like to sponsor an episode or advertise on the Branded Cowgirl podcast, then please head to sarahelrod.com slash sponsor BCP for more information. Thanks again for being here, and I'll talk to you in the next one.